Welcome everyone. For those of you who don't know, because there are some unfamiliar faces here, my name is Matthew Jonathan Jansen. I am the lead pastor here along with my wife, Tanya Jansen, at Life Church. Woo! And uh, we love getting to, to serve this way. It is His church, and we get to serve it. We get to steward it, and we're so grateful for that. We serve alongside of Pastors Mike and Ev Schroeder, amazing couple with years of wisdom. They are the secret weapon for this church. Uh, true story. Um, but obviously you are all are as well, and we love you. We're so grateful that you're here today. If it's your first time joining us, thank you for being here. You are always welcome. We're so grateful that you're with us. Um, if you don't know a little bit about me, I'm six foot five. I have uh, three kids, uh, and they are awesome. One of them's getting baptized this afternoon. We're going to tell you about that in a little bit here, and that's going to be amazing. And um, lately... The food that I'm into is cheeseburgers from Five Guys. So there you go. That's, I'm really, I love, I love a good Five Guys burger. Uh, there you go. There's a little bit about me. Oh, and I'm a diehard Canucks fan. I got a few people cheering. There we go. Come on. Yeah. So diehard. Because one day they will win and I will be there to cheer them on. One day it will happen. This is my prophetic word for this morning. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, for those of you who have not been with us, we are in a series right now in the book of James. We've got a lot of material to get through today, and I want to get you there because we've got an amazing time afterwards at baptism. We've been going through the book of James uh, line by line, working our way through it, and today we are at James chapter 3, verse 13. The title of the series has been Faith in Motion. Faith in motion. And kind of this big idea is that James really deals with the practicality of faith. In his book, he talks a lot about how faith actually works and what it looks like in our day-to-day -day lives. And the question that we've been asking throughout the series is, what is the evidence of faith in your life? What is the evidence of faith in your life? And last week, my beautiful wife, my beautiful bride, did an incredible job sharing a word about the power of your words. I remember that your words have power, right? And, and But we need the grace of Jesus Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to come upon us and give us His words to speak. Amen? We talked about that last week. And this week, we are actually going to be talking about the subject of humble faith. Humble faith. I'll be explaining that and unpacking that in just a moment, but we are going to read the scriptures first. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to have it up on the screen. I'm going to be reading it to you from my Bible, which is a New King James version. And we're going all the way down to chapter 4, verse 10. So hang with me here, you guys. It's going to be a lot of scripture, but we need to lay this foundation as we dive into this idea of humble faith. Are you with me? Are you ready? Let's get into the word. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality 
and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Chapter 4. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that your friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the, the, spirit dwells, uh, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Can we just hang out there for a second? I, I got to say that again. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Your word that is living and is active and is sharper than a two-edged sword that divides between the soul and the spirit and discerns to the intents of the heart. And Father, this morning, Lord God, we come under the authority of your word. We pray that your word would speak to us this morning, Lord God, that you would plant good seed in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Father God, that you would show us your way, Lord God, through your word, Lord Jesus, so that we, Lord God, can be changed to look more like you from glory to glory every day, Lord God. I get out of the way this morning, Lord God, as your minister, Lord God, I pray that you would flow through me, Lord God, and I pray that I would be a window to your glory, Lord Jesus. I I pray that you would help me to get out of the way so that your presence can have his way in this place. We give it back to you now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right, well, that was a lot. Would you not agree? Did anybody kind of start glazing over about halfway through? It's okay, you can admit it because I get it. There's, there's a lot there. Like what, what is really going on here? And so the key, I believe, to our message today and to this passage is actually found in the very first verse that we read. Who can remember it? It's okay if you can't. It's James chapter 3 verse 13. And in, in that passage, James says this. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Somebody say meekness. And somebody say wisdom meekness of wisdom. Now, this is kind of a strange saying, meekness of wisdom. It's a, it's a strange phrase, and, I, you know, I had to kind of dig into it to kind of understand what is he getting at here when he's talking about meekness. Um, there's a man named Burdick who wrote a, a commentary on this passage, and he says this on meekness. Meekness is uh, uh, proutus, which is the Greek word, is gentleness, but not passive gentleness growing out of weakness or resignation. I think a lot of times when you hear this idea of meekness, you think like, you know, this. Right? It's just like all your bones just turn to jelly, and you're just like, whatever, I'll just go with it. This is the idea that we often have, the idea of meekness. But he says this, it is not that, it is an active attitude of deliberate acceptance. An active attitude of deliberate acceptance. Now, acceptance of what? 
What is he getting at here? Well, he says it's meekness of wisdom. In other words, an active attitude of deliberate acceptance of wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? We have to unpack this for a moment. And I think a lot of times when we talk about wisdom, we talk about the difference between, we juxtapose it between wisdom and knowledge. Okay? And so that's one of the easiest ways to explain what wisdom is. And so we all know that knowledge is information. And how many know that we live in the information age? Right? We have so much information surrounding us that knowledge is abundant and abounding in the world around us. You can get knowledge anywhere. I mean, we got so much knowledge, it's crazy. If you want to have knowledge, you've got a little computer in your pocket that you can pull out and you can pull up any information that you want. Right? Anything that you want to know. Any silly thing. Hey, how much does a Five Guys burger weigh? Oh, there you go. I can tell you right now. Right? Knowledge abounds around us. We have lots and lots of knowledge. But whereas knowledge is information, wisdom is the ability to use that information properly. We call wisdom the ability to make right choices in life, living in light of what is right and true. Wisdom is knowledge is information. Wisdom is knowing how to use that information. But not just knowing how to use that information. The wisdom that they're talking about here isn't just wisdom that you make up. Oh, I know how to use that information. Yes, I can figure it out on my own. That's not what he's getting at here. The wisdom that he's talking about here comes from somewhere else. And we find this wisdom in the book of Psalms, chapter 111, verse 10, where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding of all those who do his commandments, his praise endures forever. So knowledge is information. Wisdom is knowing how to use that information. But where does wisdom come from? It comes from him. He is the source of all wisdom. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, it's an acknowledgement of God. And how many know that our society needs an acknowledgement of God? Right? We need an acknowledgement of God. We need to know and recognize his reality that he truly is, and also that he is capable and able to work in our situations. We need to know and come under the authority of his word and understand that there is a God, and not only there's a God, but he intercedes on our behalf and he works on our behalf. He is still active in the world around us. If knowledge is information and wisdom is knowing how to use that information, we have to also understand the source of that wisdom, and it is him. And ultimately is this idea that we are dependent upon him. I know the idea of the fear of the Lord kind of sounds a little bit intimidating or, or weird maybe a little bit. But really, whatever you're afraid of, you'll focus on. Whatever has the most power around you will demand your attention. And really, this idea of the fear of the Lord is a constant awareness of his presence. Because how many know that he is greater? He is stronger he is more powerful than anything that you face today. How many know that? That our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we think or ask according to the power that is working in us. Amen? So the key to wisdom is to recognize our need of God. Are you with me? So how is this kind of foundational for our passage today? Well, we're going to put it in a form of a question. And our question today, the big question, of course, is what is the evidence of faith in your life? But our question today is this, does your faith show evidence 
that you recognize your need for Jesus. Does your faith show evidence that you recognize your need for him? When I was thinking about this idea, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about parenting. I'm a dad, and I've got three wonderful children. And as a, as a dad, when I think about what is my goal for my three kids, and do you know what my goal for my three kids is? That they will, yes, that they will love Jesus. That is very true, 100%. But in their loving of Jesus, my goal for them is that they will leave the house. Hear me out, Josiah. Hear my heart here, son. I am successful as a dad if I give my kids the tools and confidence that they need to step out on their own and walk in confidence into their own independence and into their own families. Really, my goal in life is to reproduce myself in them. Tanya and I are a couple. We're married um, we live in a home. Our goal is to release our kids to go out and one day get married and have a home of their own and raise their own families. And that's my goal for my kids. And so that's, and in parenting, that's the goal. The goal is really for me to, to raise them up, give them the confidence and tools that they need to be able to go out on their own. We fall into a trap when it comes to our relationship with the Lord when we look at it that way. Thinking, you know what, I get it. I know what this is all about. I'm going to go to church every Sunday. I'm going to get 59. No, let's say I'm going to get 100 points that I'm going to write down, and I'm going to master these points. And then when I've mastered these points, I will no longer need to go to church because I'll have matured, and I'll understand, and I can just do these things, these, these principles, these philosophies. I can live these out in my life, and then everything is going to work out great. And I think oftentimes in our humanness, we can fall into the trap of experiencing God or expecting that our, our relationship with God is going to work that way. That the more we get to know him, the more that we understand his ways, the less we're going to have to focus on him. But unlike parenting, where the goal is to release and send out, the, in, in, when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, what ends up happening is the more mature you become, the more aware you are of your need for him. Right? The more mature you become as a Christian, the more you grow in Him, the more you become aware of how desperately you need the presence of God. How desperately you need His, His grace and His mercy in your daily life. How much you need Him even to breathe in any given moment. The more mature you become in Him, the more we realize how much we need Him. And this is this idea of humble faith. This is the idea of the meekness of wisdom that I am going to grab a hold of and come under the wisdom that comes from above. The wisdom that comes from Him. It's a humble recognition. Are you with me? Alright, so we're going to read this again. How are we going to break this down is we're going to break it down into two sections. We're going to go in uh, chap verse, chapter 3 and then we're going to do chapter 4. In chapter 3, there's really uh, one thing that, that James is doing, and he is talking about two different types of wisdom. We just talked about the meekness of wisdom. We talked about right wisdom. We talked about wrong wisdom. And what he does here is he breaks down the difference between true wisdom and false wisdom. 
And so I'll read it again. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So here we go. He's talking about two different types of wisdom. He's talking about truisms. Everybody say true wisdom and false wisdom. So false wisdom. Thank you very much. Um, We see false wisdom in operation when we look at the pursuit of the things of the flesh versus the pursuit of the things of God. And how we're going to break this down between the two is with three, um, three categories, which is the origin of that wisdom, the operation of that wisdom, and the outcome of that wisdom. First of all, we have false wisdom. Everybody say boo. False wisdom is the bad wisdom, okay? The origin of that wisdom is not from above, okay? It's not from God. It's human wisdom and understanding. And the way that James describes it is scary, which is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Okay, he just straight up says it's demonic. Earthly, sensual, and demonic. And here's how Adam Clark defined these terms. First of all, earthly is having this life only in view. This type of false wisdom has only this life in view. How many know we can get caught there so often? This is all there is. This is what I, you know, my RSP and, and all these other things around me. And, and I've got this, this investment over here. And I've got these things happening over here. And I've got this lawsuit coming against me over here. And I've got all these different things. And, and we get so stuck in just our earthly wisdom, having only this life in view. The second one is sensual wisdom. Part of that is, which is this animal idea of having for its object the gratification of the passions and animal propensities. In other words, going after whatever we feel. If you feel it, just do it, man. That's the message of this world's wisdom. You know, if it feels good, then do it, right? It's, it's, it's this world there. It says it's all about you, and you just need to try and fulfill yourself and find happiness in whatever you can see around you. And then finally, it says it's demonic. And uh, um, demoniacal, which means inspired by demons and maintained in the soul by their indwelling influence. So pretty intense, pretty direct. That's how James defines it. Is, this lines up with a scripture we read later in 1 John 2.16 where it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And this is the same idea of this earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. It's this, this lust of the flesh, I want it. This, pride, this lust of the eye, I'll look for it. And this pride of life, and it will not hurt me. Is kind of this idea that we have in this earthly wisdom. It's seeking after our own ways. It's seeking after our own desires. Its, its source is not of the Lord. It's from below. How does it operate? It operates in bitter envy, which is jealousy. Okay, which is I want that, I want that, I want that. That person has that, I want that, I need that, I need that. And it also uh, operates in selfishness. It's all about me. More, more me, less you. That's the attitude of a selfish wisdom. And finally, the outcome of it, always, church, is confusion and every evil work. This is the wisdom that he's warning us against. Now, what about true wisdom? Everybody say, yay. True wisdom. Origin. It's from above. What we talked about earlier. Come on. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. All who dwell in it, the world and all who dwell in it, 
He established it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It comes from him. I love in Ephesians 1.17 where Paul prays this prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. It comes from him. I love Proverbs 2, 6, and 7. For the Lord gives wisdom. Somebody say, the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Come on. The wisdom that comes from above. Can you already feel it? Isn't that better already? Yes. Wisdom from above. Now, operation. How does it work itself out? It's pure. I'm just going to make one quick comment on each one of these things because I in the interest of time, number one, pure, without mixture. Okay, it's not divided. It's simple, it's clean, it's pure. Okay, peaceable, like God who is gentle and kind, although he has every reason to be stern. It's this idea of offering peace to those around us. It's gentle. Barclay, William Barclay, in his commentary says, it is the ability to extend to others the kindly consideration that we would wish to receive ourselves. It's also willing to yield. This is interesting. It says this, I like this comment. This wisdom, pardon me, true wisdom is not rigid, but is willing to listen and skilled in knowing when wisely to yield. Couldn't we use a little bit more of that? Right? Come on, isn't it easy just to get stuck in our ways? This is just who I'm always going to be. But true wisdom keeps our mind lubricated. It keeps us able to move and to, to change and to grow and to evolve, if you will, if I can use that term in church. Because we have the Spirit of God flowing through us. And God is able to change us. He's able to move in us. He's able to show us where to go. And then we are pliable and able to be moved by Him. Hey, don't go that way. Walk this way. Okay. That's the type of wisdom that He's talking about here. It's a wisdom that is pliable and able to be moved by the Spirit of God. Standing on the Word of God, of course. We don't change and we don't deter from this. Okay. Willing to yield. What's the next one? Full of mercy. This wisdom knows that the same measure of mercy we grant to others is the same measure God will use with us. Full of good fruit. This is the evidence of the wisdom in our lives. Without partiality. That means without judging. And without hypocrisy. Adam Clark says this, Without pretending to be what is not. Acting always in its own character. Never working under a mask.
Jesus, I pray. I receive it from you today. Again, the more mature we become in Christ, the more we recognize that we need him. Yes? Okay, three more, or two more. Number six, mourn. When we're talking about this idea of mourning, this is kind of a strange passage. Just remember this. James starts out by calling believers out for loving the world more than God. In other words, loving pleasure, personal, you know, temporal pleasure more than the things of God. And so really this is this call that James has upon us to be sober-minded. To recognize that these things that bring us pleasure here on earth are temporary but in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Right? It's this, this call to say, listen, you're getting caught up in, in the things that you have. And you're getting caught up in all these other things here on this, in this earth that, that you're thinking are going to bring you joy and pleasure. But ultimately, they're, they're going to burn. And where you're going to find life eternal, where you're going to find hope, and where you're going to find your, your home, and, and the ultimate joy is not here, it's It's here. And so let's be sober-minded. Let's be aware of that. Why? Because number seven, humble yourself before God. What does the Bible say? In due time, he will lift you up. Our joy is found. We, see, church, we need to detach ourselves from the world around us that we feel is going to bring us joy. And we need to attach ourselves into the presence of God, into Jesus, and allow him to bring us true joy everlasting joy, hope, and peace. The script, this is a, a quote from William Barclay. Only when a man realizes his own ignorance will he ask for God's guidance. Only when a man realizes his own poverty in the things that matter will he pray for the riches of God's grace. Only when a man realizes his weakness in necessary things will he come to draw upon God's strength. Only when a man realizes his own sin will he realize his need of a Savior and of God's forgiveness. And so, my question for you today as we close is this. Does your faith show evidence that you recognize your need for Jesus? Does your faith show evidence that you recognize your need for Jesus? Remember this. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Church, this morning, let's draw near to him. Let's return to him and let's run to him. The Savior and the Lord of all. The King of kings. The rock of our salvation. Our ruler and the one that we rely on. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for you this morning. And then we're going to give you some instructions. Uh, we have a baptism service coming up today at 1.30. Really excited about it. Hope that you can all attend. Um, but before we get to that, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to invite my beautiful wife, who is Miss details herself, to give you the details. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord God, for your word. Father, we thank you for reminding us of our need of you. How gracious is that? And Father, today we lay our lives down at your feet, and we say, God, come have your way in us, Lord Jesus. Help us to set our hearts on you. Help us to set our minds on you, Lord Jesus, and help us to recognize today that your word promises that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. That we come, if we come to you, weary and heavy laden, that you will give us rest. So Father, today we turn to you. 
and we lay down our burdens at your feet. We ask that you would change our hearts. Father God, help us to experience your life and your joy and your peace. And God, help us to have the fruit of true wisdom in our lives, Lord Jesus. Father God, help that wisdom to operate in our everyday lives, we ask, Lord Jesus. Change our hearts and make us more like you. We need you, Lord, and we love you. God, I pray your blessing upon each person here, Lord God. Help them walk in joy. Help them walk in peace. Help them walk in life today, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that now. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Amen.